1: And welcome to It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time we're taking a look at Agent Carter, first seen in January 2015, when, if you wanted to look clever in front of your friends, you could have watched Child Genius, Big Giant Swords or Bella and the Bulldogs instead. I'm Tim Worthington and we'll be finding out what I made of Agent Carter shortly. Meanwhile, joining us to give her thoughts on Agent Carter is film and TV critic Hannah Flint. Hannah, where can people find you? You
0: can find me on Twitter at Hannah Flint. Yeah, let's just... Twitter. Twitter is where you find me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we go any further, Hannah, what happens with Agent Carter? So
0: this takes place after the events of Captain America, the first Avenger. Peggy is working with the SSR. If you've seen the one shot that comes between, she's not having a good time of it, though I kind of think the one shot might be separate from what goes on the series, which you'll find out when you watch it. Because in in the one shot, she kind of gets promoted by Howard Stark to kind of head up what becomes S.H.I.E.L.D. as we know it. But in the TV series, it's kind of from the beginning where she joins the New York office of the SSR and she's met with extreme sexism about her position within the organization. Her superiors do not treat her with respect, neither do the fellow male agents. And as the only woman there, she's often overlooked. But, you know, we all know Peggy Carter. Well, if you do watch the series or what the MCU you know that Peggy Carter is not one to rest on her laurels so she gets out and tries to kind of team up with Howard Stark and his butler driver Jarvis to work out who is framing Stark for selling weapons of mass destruction or kind of you know bad weapons that shouldn't be out there so yeah that's kind of set up and trying to her trying to find her way within an organization that doesn't really want her there.
1: So Hannah how much did you know about Peggy Carter before you saw Agent Carter?
0: I'd watched the film obviously Captain America seen the one shot so yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much my entry point into her as a character I mean my kind of understanding of Marvel has really mainly come from the TV series and movie franchises various ones for different studios but I suppose since I've more I've understood about it and more I've kind of enjoyed reading about these characters I've tried to read a bit more about it from the source material from the comics so um I don't know it's interesting Captain America isn't one it's not really one that stands out for me that I'm most interested I'm more of a Spider-Man kind of girl <laughs> so I haven't really kind of done much kind of past what what's been out there. But obviously, as soon as I knew that Peggy Carter was going to get her own designated series, I was very much interested in that and wanted to make sure I checked it out.
1: Yeah, I think the most immediately striking thing about the first series in particular is it's obviously it's very closely tied to the films and the whole cinematic universe as we'll come on to there is quite a lot of links with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. but it's very very different I mean I described it once as being like a Coen Brothers film kicking men in the bollocks which I think is a reasonable account of it but it's so different technologically everything is kind of steampunk because the big bads in the first series are kind of a Russian organisation called Leviathan and they kind of run on the like they communicate with what basically ghost typewriters that type messages out to each other themselves mm. and it's never explained how that's done but that's so far removed what you see in the films that it's almost like they were giving Peggy a chance to shine on her own independently of everything else in her own little universe, really.
0: Yeah, I think you have to be mindful about who is your hero and what can they do and what are are their powers, really. You know, Agent Carter, Peggy, she's not a super soldier. She's just a ridiculously intelligent woman, a great fighter. She knows what she's doing. She's a brilliant agent. You know, she prefaces she came before, like, Black Widow and Maria Hill. You know, she was the original female spy pretty much and so how do you kind of cater to that sort of hero where she doesn't seem like she's out of her depth or she needs someone with more powers to step in so it's important that when you're doing a series especially obviously a period drama as well that you really show what she's good at and what she's had to do I mean it's really interesting one you could say that her superpower really is her ability to use people's underestimating her against them you know that's what they constantly do they think she's just a woman so her superpower is actually making them think she's just a woman and actually (laughs) proving using that against them and proving proven them wrong I mean she constantly uses that to her advantage and I think it's good because it's very grounding and I think in a way you again because it's a period setting you have to you can't just introduce a load of like weapons and stuff that wouldn't have been not just realistic for a time because obviously I know we're dealing with sci-fi stuff at the moment but then you have to think about what was going on during Captain America what were the kind of special things that they had what did they stop and you have to be mindful that you can't introduce too many kind of outlandish quite technologically advanced plot devices or kind of elements to it that makes it a bit harder and I think that might be why the second season, I'm sure we'll get onto it, might have been why it wasn't as it was a bit more convoluted because it went into deeper sci-fi territory because obviously they do like the matter kind of plot line throughout it which I'm sure we'll talk about but yeah I think what was great about the first series was just how grounded in it and it really was a spy TV show and you know you've got to love that.
1: Well what was really eye-opening for me was obviously Peggy goes out of the in the war even though she still has trouble as you know as as brilliantly illustrated some scenes in Captain America the first Avenger with the way society view her with men and so on she's her own person she's in control she's above a lot of people in this she's just thrust out back into the world where you know at that point in time arguably not that much has changed but men are still running the show completely around them but also what struck me was it's not just men there are bullying older women that think she should know her place as well and yeah. Hold things like a roof over her head over her as a way yeah. of getting her to behave.
0: Yeah, and then that's what's good because it matches what it was actually like. You know, women at single women at that time. You know, there were specific rules about who they could have back. I mean, you can read it in so many so many books. I think it reminds me of like Sylvia Plath when she's talking about like the kind of place that she was saying and men weren't allowed in. And I think it's just it's just that kind of culture shock, isn't it? You've seen her in action. You know, standing her ground next to Steve Rogers, getting respect from Tommy Lee Jones's colonel. I can't remember his name right now. But, you know, you see that. And then for her to be thrown back into the mix of it and and realize actually recognizing what the kind of gender politics and gender inequality of the time in 1940s America, that's the thing. She hasn't got people around her anymore. She hasn't got the Steves and all that. And after the war's ending, it's like, well, what did they expect of women at the time? They had to go back. They were in the factories (laughs) building, you know, they were the ones taking up these male roles. And then it's kind of like, well, war's over. What happens now? And it's interesting because that, obviously, kind of pushes forward the kind of female empowerment and feminism that came through afterwards to show that women don't want to be thrown back into domestic sphere. So I think it's interesting that it touches upon those elements and it had to, you know, you couldn't do a series where it didn't touch upon that. It'd just be... You know, it's Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, you can't do a series of isn't kind of a deep feminist theme and undertone to it in pretty much all aspects of her life.
1: And like you say, there's no Steve Rogers or anyone like that around her. It's interesting that the two people that seem to actually understand her, that there seems to be a genuine friendship with, and in one case, potentially romance, that we never really get to see that, which is frustrating. But there's Angie, who's a waitress in her favourite cafe, who's a typical mm. Italian-American New Yorker, very stroppy, Doesn't like arrogant men. She seems to be the one who actually understands Peggy and where she's come from and where she's ended up. But there's also Agent Sousa from the SSR who is kind of the opposite of Steve Rogers. He's disabled, he's quiet. He's hardly all-American. He appears to be mixed race, actually. And that's an interesting contrast, that that's who she feels, as far as you can tell, attracted to. Yeah. She's not trying to replace Steve. She's trying to move on with her life.
0: But you have to remember what she liked about Steve Rogers. It wasn't that he was Captain America. She liked the guy beforehand. She liked the guy who was an asthmatic, kept on getting rejected from the army. You know, that is, you know, look at Souza, And it's kind of the same, isn't it? You know, he's not the peak of American, all-American man is he you know he's got the dark hair as well like you said he looks obviously far more ethnic looking than Steve as well so I think she kind of she goes for people who who have got heart who underneath it or they're not limited by the way they look or the health, you know, different facts. They want to do the right thing. And that's why she loves Steve. I think it was great with Angie because her life isn't just totally the SSR. She's more than that. She's an agent. Cash. She's more than just an agent. She's a woman. She's a person. She has friends. I think having someone outside of that world, you know, is our entry point into her as a person, as a normal person as well. You know, she might be this ass kicking fighter and everything, but she's also just a woman who is single and having to navigate different feelings and experiences and Angie is that person who she can speak to obviously she can't talk in too much detail about what's going on but it's kind of like her grasp on reality kind of grounds her in, in a way and I think it's also really important in a show what I find frustrating about sometimes series that yes they've got this female lead but when they're const- at a time where she's surrounded by men it's really frustrating because you're like well where are all the other women you know does it pass the Bechdel test even though you've got Peggy Carter as the lead are there other people in the sh- women in the show that talk to each other and that's why I actually really like Dottie Underwood as well like I really love that character you know and it was great to have her back in season two I think it was a really interesting and important approach to show who Peggy is as a person and having Daniel Sousa and Angie around it really reminds of just what a brilliant person she actually is and what her real values are and, and who she really respects and what she I suppose who she is as a person and I think it's the people that she cares most about are the people that you should be caring about so that's good.
1: I think that's all encapsulated as well that amazing program poster they have for series one which did end up on the cover of the dvd and blu-ray which is basically peggy looking about as 1940s glamorous as it's possible to get holding up a gun not in the kind of stereotypical hollywood woman with a gun way from that era but like she was a man firing it and that really is a strong image i think i remember seeing that on a bus stop not knowing the series was coming out and thinking i'm gonna watch that I think that was a great image to lead with and it Mm. didn't really work as well with the one they did for Series 2, I didn't think
0: i think there is an element of let's make this a sexy she's a sexy spy kind of thing and it's hard when she's you know you think about one thing i love about hayley atwell as well is that she's not your you know not to say that she's big in the slightest but she's curvy she looks like you know she fills out dresses in a way that's not these two super skinny she kind of looks like a real woman like not real woman that's a really kind of reductive way of saying it but she doesn't look like your typical kind of size zero action hero that you often see you know women who don't Even look like they could stand up in a fight, you know. There's nothing on it. Whereas she looks like, oh, she looks like the girl next door. Obviously, she's not the girl next door because she's obviously gorgeous. But there's something about the way that, like, she is feminine, but it's not. It doesn't reduce who she is. And the only time she uses her femininity is a way to kind of like uh, to work against people who just reduce her in that way. If they're if they're only going to see her as this kind of sexy woman, well, she'll use that against her. But it's never. There's never a sense of oh, the only reason you're watching this is because it's a sexy woman fighting you know playing around with guns like like you said on that poster you know you don't even see her figure that much it's her sideways with the kind of hat isn't it and then her pointing the gun right off camera and it's intent but then obviously like you said for season two they've got a down and a form fitting dress and you see much more of a body and a kind of inactive, kind of looking to the side, is obviously more deterministic in the season one poster. And I think that's who she is, isn't it? You just know she. you want her in your side in a fight, and also, you know, she might lend you a pair of panty lines. <laughs>
1: well, speaking of series two, I kind of agree with you that it didn't quite work as well. I mean, there are a couple of reasons for that. One of which is they moved to LA rather than New York, which is a bold move, but I don't think it quite came off. But the other thing is that, whereas in season one, you have got all these elements in the films, like Toby and sends up a Zola Ivan Vanko's in there the Howling Commandos show up and you see the start of what become the Black Widow and Winter Soldier programs in season two there's a bit more of a cynical attempt to tie in because it introduces what is called the Zero Matter at this point becomes the Dark Force and relates to the Dark Hold so it's setting up I think deliberately a lot of things that later happen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also Cloak and Dagger the series that Judging from trying to get a guess for this, very few people have seen. There is a great story there. And the whole thing about the contrast of Peggy's life with the main big bad, who's Whitney Frost, who essentially she was kind of a scientific genius that had to give it all up because of her husband's political ambitions, which is, you know, pretty realistic. But it just doesn't land as well as series one did. It feels a bit too much like they thought of the idea before they thought of the character and the situation. I
0: think there's always a case in, like, a second season... a tv show same with sequels isn't it how do we make it bigger and better than the first season I think you're right. It's hard because, you know, New York is such, you know, it, it reminds you of, even though obviously she's her own person, and you know, she wants to get memory Steve. There's something about New York that is Steve Rogers, you know. So it's kind of like her leaving that. I get why they made her move to LA. But I think there's an element with the, the Zero Matter stuff. You might be right in that they're trying to set up things for future and that's the problem as well. But that office doesn't even work sometimes because, you know, they often in films and stuff you've seen in the MCU where they'll like drop an Easter egg, but actually it doesn't really make sense. Like um, what is it in Captain America: Winter Soldier, where they name check Stephen Strange as yeah. as one of, but it doesn't. I mean, people are trying to make theories and saying it works out. It's like no, it's that wasn't. That was just because the Russo brothers like Steve Strange and just wanted to throw his name to the mix. But it doesn't actually make any sense that he would be targeted before he even you know had that car accident because he's not Stephen Strange. Yet. But anyway, but yeah. So I think it, it's interesting. You can see that maybe they're setting up. I actually don't really watch Agents of uh, Shield. I maybe watch the first two seasons, but I. Actually, I mean one thing I'll just say for Agent Carter, what I enjoyed about it, I liked how self these were eight episodes first season, ten episodes second season. I'm not a big fan of like loads, you know, seasons that have so many episodes. I feel sometimes there's filler episodes, so I'd I kind of like lost track on that. So I'm not really sure about that connection there. But I do think there's something. There was such a it's quite confusing the zero matter. Do you know what I mean? It's not an easy thing to understand like what it is, and it's it's quite a big idea to throw into a season that's just gone from like you said something quite basic in the first Season with a Thiathan, which is kind of like you've already got an understanding of who they are and they're kind of the way they work. And, you know, look at that. I mean, look at the basic thing of trying to like attack New York by putting out a kind of a biological weapon on New York. You know, you see that so many times. I mean, look what happened in, in Hunters is that Amazon Prime series that's happening. The Wonder Woman movie, obviously, there's a kind of a, they're going to do a biological attack. So it's quite an easy formula to kind of wrap your head around. Whereas with the Zero Matters, it's kind of like you have to understand how does it affect different individuals? you know why is Wilkes you know what's happening to him it's kind of kind of gets a bit convoluted it's a shame because I actually like Whitney Frost as a character from watching it and also you know that was inspired by Hedy Lamarr you know the Hollywood actress who came over from Austria and she actually invented the technology that we now use as Wi-Fi you know that yeah. was the basis but she never got credit for it so I thought it was an interesting one and I also I like the fact that again you know you have a female antagonist I enjoyed that part of it and I also enjoyed the fact that they got Dotty kind of working again like a double agent and I thought god wouldn't that would be so interesting to see Peggy and Dottie in the third season, see what where they're at because, you know, as we know – Dotty is a precursor to like, you know, she was came through that program, the way the Black, you know, Natasha Romanoff came through Black Widow and she obviously was a bad guy and then became a good guy and then we're going to see Black Widow. So it would have been so interesting to see what could have gone on there and in, in you know for future episodes, but I think people just lost a bit of interest in it sadly because obviously it got canceled because viewership was down even though people into like light, in light the series. But I think yeah, I think sometimes you have to if you may overcomplicate a plot, it can sometimes just work against you and I yeah I think there was too many different variables in trying to make it a bit more jazzy I think it kind of like lost the kind of down-to-earth element of Peggy Carter in Agent Carter that we kind of love what are you doing here oh Peggy I'll always be in your head you can never fight the laws of attraction that chemical reaction that got us in this mess Still I must confess They're both a nice distraction Now I clearly see It's up to me
1: Well speaking of making a bit jazzy and one thing I did want to mention was the score by Christopher Lennertz, which I really like that and apparently he didn't just sit down and think I'm going to write a jazz score to go with it. He actually went and studied by looking at old bills how big sort of big bands were at that point how many members they would have had and worked out what instruments to use based on that. And then in season two, we get that amazing song that Hayley Atwell actually sings called What You Gonna Do, which was released as a single. I really like that. It's a shame it didn't get more traction, really.
0: What we really need is a special one-off musical episode, clearly.
1: (laughs) They should do what they do... You know, like in Buffy the
0: Vampire Slayer. You know, it feels like this is natural kind of progression. Like, just give us a special. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Could you, you know, imagine yeah. getting more? Because all of them, I feel like nowadays, like I'm pretty sure most of the people in Agent Carter are kind of singers, performers as well. Could you? Well, you know, we know Dominic Cooper can because of Mama yeah. (laughs) Can James Darcy sing?
1: I've no idea, but Jarvis is great, isn't he? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. And
1: obviously he came back in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. But Peggy, we didn't get Series 3, unfortunately, so we didn't get that musical episode, but she did come back in a couple of the movies. But also, she was an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. quite a few times in flashback episodes, Mm -hmm. and apparently it's going to be in the final season. And it looks as though she's interacting with them in the present day. Either they've gone backwards or she's come forwards, and I can't work out, but I can't. Wait to see that so we haven't seen the last of it, thankfully and the other great thing is I didn't know until today both series are now on Disney Plus so they're not just cast it aside they're actually embracing it as part of the past of the MCU and well the present really
0: but there's also I was at D23 celebrations uh, last year I was at the kind of Marvel slate panel for the MCU and what they've got coming and they have a special doing a series called What If which is an animated series and there's a What If comic book line where it kind of imagines what if and in this case for Peggy Carter what if she got the super serum what they, and so we have got we can expect an episode where she voices Peggy Carter as if she got given the super serum and we're going to see episodes of that so that's really cool there's different ones of them there's very different like what is it there's another one I think it's if Sam Wilson or Bucky becomes doesn't become Winter Soldier right, you know what if you can look online and <laughs> find what if series <laughs> you could do a better synopsis than I'm actually giving you but the one thing that stood out obviously was knowing that Peggy Carter was going to be back but I did, like, you know, I've, I might actually kind of watch Agent S.H.I.E.L.D.'s final series, if that, because isn't Daniel Souza also back in that series as well? I wish we got more of Peggy. It's a shame that we didn't, really. And I do love that kind of, we got some closure on the end of Endgame. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but come on, it's been ages now. You should have seen it. <laughs> but um, I did like the idea. And it's kind of, I am with the theory that Steve went back in time stayed there and he was able to live there because obviously the other Steve Rogers was in or he was in ice for a considerable amount of that period so they could have a secret little kind of life together yeah it's interesting isn't it when you look back at certain scenes and she knows he's married but you never actually see you know she never actually names who her husband is or that they have any children Really, other than obviously they've got the niece, which is Sharon. Oh, I feel really bad for Sharon Carter. She really got mugged off in the film franchise.
1: <laughs> She's coming back. Yeah, I know.
0: In, in the Falcon Winter Soldier series, but I do. Uh, my only thing is that they introduced, they kind of shoehorned in a weird love romance plot with D. Rogers, obviously, and then suddenly it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's about it. And then, obviously, he goes back, so. But it's interesting because then, if that's the case, sorry, I took us on a segue, but, like, Sharon Carter is really close to Peggy, like, her aunt, right? Does she not know about Peggy's secret husband, then? That's this what I'm...
1: crossed my mind.
0: <laughs> it's like, was he super secret? Yeah, maybe. It's an interesting one. You you got you got a loved a webbed narrative that opens up so many plot holes that you're desperately trying to fill up. But, you know, sometimes you just have to accept it is what it is. And, you know, Peggy got a happy ending in the end.
1: Well, we're not even getting started on past Gamora being in the present, but that's <laughs> hopefully going to be addressing the next Guardians of the Galaxy film. But there's just one thing left for me to ask. Hannah, if you were a highly trained and highly decorated intelligence agent pushed back into the civilian world, what would you use those abilities for?
0: I like to think I'd use them for good, but maybe I'd just use it to get become like a get my own TV show or something. I don't know. It's a hard <laughs> one. I feel like, what would I do now? I mean, yeah, I probably would do for good, but I'd probably be, like, more likely, probably work for the bad guys and get a load of money, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm only joking. No, I'd definitely fight for my country. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) Well, on that note, Hannah, thank you, and Excelsior. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can find more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me at timworthington.org